the family of a local teenager says she never would have left home without calling. It's praying for the best. I want my daughter home, man. And if she can't come home, I just want to know where she's at. These posters around the towns of Livermore and Jay beg anyone with information to come forward. Posters that Richard puts up every spring, never losing hope. arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case. Thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology, the arrest happening exactly 39 years to the day. When Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her, and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. So tonight we're speaking to Sarah Lee. She's the mother of Brandon Emery, who died under very suspicious circumstances on September, or he was found on September 12th, 2019 in Asheboro, North Carolina. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little brief uh, discussion or a brief description of Brandon, who he is and uh, what he was like as a child. Okay, Brandon was... Oh, when he was little, I would say he was like 10 little boys rolled up into one. I never sat down. I was always chasing after him. He was busy, full of life. He loved to laugh. Um, he loved his family. He loved his grandparents. Um, he was just uh, very remarkable. He was so smart. He walked so early. He talked. He was making full sentences before most children would just be speaking their first words. Um, and, you know, I just I remember that little smile he had when he was little. Uh, but he definitely had a lot of energy. Um, he came up during, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle time. I remember he loved those. Um, just very just a joy to to be around him and and it was uh, it was an honor to raise him um we well i was in the military so he did travel and we lived in italy and had moved around quite a bit um, colorado springs and we lived in maryland um, what, so what branch of the military were you in i was in the navy and then he ended up going into the Navy as well, correct? Yes, he did. He was a nuclear submariner. And that's when he came home on leave. And that's his little sister there. And um, the the nuclear program, you got to be really smart to get in that. And uh, so we're very proud of him for serving. And, Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so this was in the Seattle. So he had, um, he was in college in Seattle. He was at the university of Washington and he had been in the chemical engineering program and, um, just, you know, really smart. I think that's one of the, the main things that, um, sticks out with him. And I think in that photo there's on the expanded version of the photo, there's like a book behind him. And that's another thing, like he was always 
scene with a book. He liked the, the epic fantasy type uh, novels. And he started reading those probably in middle school. <laughs> now, is this something you had like AI generated or? Is this... Yes. Yes. At the time I had so few photos of him and he wasn't a super uh, big on the selfies, at least not that I could find. But then once I um, sent his phone off and had it unlocked, I was able to get a few more photos and there's even a couple of videos in there. But at the time I had so few of recent photos, not necessarily of like childhood or um, high school years, but you know, just more recently. And um, so we generated the AI ones and that one was my favorite. <laughs> he looks epic there, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that really Amazing. captures his <laughs> his essence there. <laughs> he loved the Vikings. He he had started watching the Vikings before it really, you know, had really caught on and been popular. Like he started right from the beginning. And um so he had lived in the Everett area, but there is uh, I believe it's called Pol Polsbo, but there is a whole Viking inspired like town um in the washington state area <laughs> oh sounds cool yeah and uh but he, he right there that i told him i said you could be an extra on the on the viking <laughs> show <laughs> that's cool mm -hmm. yeah um i forgot to put music on here jeff oh wrong with you so um <laughs> what uh how what did he do after he got out of, uh, out of the military? So he, he had worked some different jobs, but he had started school and, um, his father recommended to him. He said, you should learn a trade, like go on with your school, but also know a trade as well. So he did, um, he did a welding program and I believe he had all honors with that. Um, and he has like, whew, like almost a dozen certificates for the welding. And okay. then after the welding, then he started, um, you know, pursuing more of the, um, general curriculum for college and everything. Well, I, he looks like the type of guy I'd like to go have a beer with. Yeah. No, he, he really does. Good dude. He was very, very well versed and you know, he, um, he could just chat about anything and, uh, always liked our really in-depth conversations. I enjoyed those a lot. Now, what was his social circle? Like, did he have a lot of friends? He was never, he was never really one to really be very social and hang out with a lot of friends. He was more small groups, very family oriented. Um, but I think as he got older, it was really important to him that he wanted to be in a relationship. He was the older brother and his younger brother had already been married and had three children. And I think Brandon was feeling, you know, that he wanted that in his life. Um, and he had a series of relationships and, um, you know, was also on the, the dating websites and that's kind of ties in 
to his story and things that happened. But um, in his heart, I think he really wanted that one-on-one type serious yeah. relationship. Family. Ready to start and start a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That probably opened him up to meeting the wrong people, right? Yes. Yeah. The dating websites are, um, you know, there's so many stories out there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can be dangerous for, for anyone. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so what was the, the days leading up to, um, the incident with him? Could you go kind of go over, um, what we know about, uh, what happened with actually, him? Actually, oh. if you wouldn't mind talking about his health, cause his health took a turn for the okay. worse, right? Yeah. So uh, I'll try to tie it all together. So Brandon came to North Carolina. So he had had a relationship in Seattle and that relationship really went sideways. And I didn't know how bad everything was until I started going back and gathering police reports and talking to neighbors. And I mean, this relationship pretty much just turned his life upside down. And it was just really hard, you know, no, hearing him going through that heartbreak and just not being there to help him because it just seemed like one thing after another was happening. And even now, to be honest, I look back and I think, is this all connected? But anyway, this relationship really did turn his life upside down. And we thought, hey, please come here, be near family. You know, we can help you. Um, Cost of living in North Carolina compared to Seattle is (laughs) definitely uh, would, you know, be a little easier for him. And there are a lot of colleges around here. So he made the move. He drove a moving truck with all of his belongings all the way across the country. And this is where I had, um, this is where I initially had been following his location because of that, because of him driving across the country. Um, And he gets here and he takes a welding job and almost immediately he met a female. And this was the first female that he met and they had a short relationship and all I really had was her version of events. And then later when I get his phone unlocked, I find a whole different story. And it really was not, was not the way that she portrayed things. So this was the first female and she's actually local to the area. And Brandon went in the hospital October. So he got here in August and he goes in the hospital in October. And initially I thought this wasn't related. He was diagnosed with some sort of stomach issue. And they said that he was an atypical patient for this. So it was like, even they weren't even really sure about their diagnosis. He works a few different jobs. He ends up commuting to Texas. He gets a job where he goes to Texas and he's working at a, the silica mine for us silica and he needs to be fitted for a respirator. So I'm like, I'm still gathering 
these medical records. So they're doing like a pulmonary function test, um, doing, you know, checking him out. Of course, every job change that he does, he has a drug test. And of course, they're all clear. Um, he wouldn't have been hired if they weren't. So he changes several jobs, several drug tests. Everything is fine. Um, then comes February and I get a call and they tell me that they have him intubated in the hospital. And this was in High Point. And I'm just like, what? You know, what's going on? And I get there and it's like, they didn't even call me the day, like not even the day, not even, I mean, you know, looks like they would have called early when they did something like this, but it's like the following day when I finally get a call that they have oh, him geez. intubated in the hospital. This is, you know, they have him <laughs> induced on life support, you know, induced. Well, I can't, I can't really say if it's an induced coma or he was in a coma. Um, it's kind of unclear in the medical records. So anyway, they have him on, um, in an induced coma for five days. He had went to work and they said it was like he was falling unconscious, falling asleep. They thought maybe he was doing drugs. So they said, you know, you need to go take a drug test at the office. So he's driving over to the location that they're sending him to and he stops to get food, which, you know, most people, if they're on drugs, like on a drug trip, they're not really going to get food, you know? So that, that was kind of right there, a clue. Um, someone calls 911 because they said they saw him vomiting and then like reading through the EMS report, it's saying that he's like screaming and laying back in his truck. I think he's like screaming in pain and stomach pain and they want him to go to the hospital, but he didn't want to go to the hospital. Um, and he gets there, he goes to the, the restroom and this is where it's so weird to me. He goes to the restroom and they said that he couldn't open the door to come out of the restroom. And because of this, they said they label him with psychosis. And this is just minutes before he falls unconscious and into a coma. So if anyone has ever like fainted or like felt like they were going to fall out, you know, this, this isn't psychosis. Psychosis is when you're out of touch with reality, where you don't know really who you are. You're right. kind of imagining things. And I thought this is really weird that this hospital is labeling him with psychosis because that he just fell unconscious. So in the medical records, it said that um, his kidneys were shutting down, his central nervous system is shutting down. Um, he's in respiratory distress. It's like just his whole body systems are shutting down. And he's in this coma for five days and he comes out, there's no diagnosis. They tried to say like, maybe he took a drug you know, and they're telling me this and I can't talk to him. I don't know what's happened when they come, when he comes out of the coma, that's like the first thing that I ask him. Like they said, you, you took something and, 
did you take something? And it's like, you know, your kids, like, you know, someone for, you know, at that time, 32 years, I know when, you know, if he's telling me the truth or not. And he just looked at me so incredulous, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, and so I knew that, no, he had not taken anything. And so there was no explanation. And there's and no history, right? He never had any stomach problems growing up or anything no, like that? No, no, no pneumonia. He's never had pneumonia in his life. Never. And the and, hospital never tried to follow up on it and like actually determine what yeah, caused actually, it? Actually, and I'm trying to look into that, that um, they, they sent him for like follow up. And so I contact this number that's in the records. Um, or actually, I think I found this one on his phone and I contact him, but it's like that office or that, um, I don't even know what you call it, but this like aftercare, it's been disbanded. So they don't have it. So I'm not really sure how I'm gonna get that record to see if he ever went or not. Um, but he actually went to see a lawyer because he was so confused of like, he's like, they took five days of my life. I can't go back to my job because um, they're saying it's gonna take them a week, two weeks to transcribe the medical records. And it was odd to me that the job, it wasn't enough that they could see the release from the doctor. They wanted to actually view his medical records. And I said, well, that's a little, you know, a little odd, a little against HIPAA. It's, you know, you you can show him the, um, the negative drug test, you can show them the release, but them actually wanting to go through your medical records seemed a bit odd to me. Right, um, right. So he ends up like just not going back to work with this group. And then he takes another job. And so this, so he was in the hospital in October of 2018 and now February of 2019 and now come April, just a couple of months later, he ends up in the ER and he's having these like stomach pains. He fell unconscious at work. So it's like kind of a pattern, um, falling unconscious, different things like that. Um, and then he thinks like, well, maybe I ate something that was bad, like trying to find a logical explanation. Right. Um, you know, it's like you, when you go back through the records though, you'll see these symptoms are similar. And one of the things that really stuck out going back to February was in the medical records, Brandon had calcium crystal oxalate in his urine, which is a symptom of antifreeze poisoning. And this has just really stuck out. I've looked into a lot of different poisons and a lot of the symptoms are the same. Um, but that one, the calcium crystal oxalate seemed to be very specific with this antifreeze. Not that it can't come from something else, but um, right. it is wow. definitely connected to antifreeze. So that was April. And then in June, he is at urgent care and um, he's not feeling well. He said he's been having these symptoms 
of like the stomach pain, these things going on. He kept complaining of really bad headaches. Um, and they really, they, they check him for Lyme disease. And if you look at, through some other cases, this is something that comes up where, you know, it's some sort of poisoning and they're looking for Lyme disease. Um, and he goes to another doctor and they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, so he just keeps having these series of medical issues and there's no explanation for it. And also one of the things that I noticed is that it almost seemed like Brandon was having like um, short term memory loss with each one of them because he kind of remembered things, but it just seems like there were some gaps or maybe not super um, descriptive about some of the symptoms. So I think that might have been a, a, a symptom as well, like short term memory loss. And so is, is he still with the first girl at this point? No. So the first girl, they were only together. So right after he got out of the hospital, she, that was it. And then she comes back one more time and I'm reading through the messages and she like grabbed him and she threatened to have him killed. Um, I mean, just, this is just great. Like it hit one girl after the next, this is just the craziest story. Um, but yeah, she threatened to have him killed it after what he went through in Seattle. He, you know, I think this, he was just immediately like, no, I'm not, not dealing with this. And, um, so she left and then she comes back like one other time, but it's, it's just the oddest, hmm. the oddest relationship is. So um, we, we've, we've got a question here from mm -hmm. Donna. So she's saying that what antifreeze is what they found. And no, I believe they didn't even, they didn't test for, for any of that no. sort of stuff. So this was something that I learned that, you know, you think if, they go in the hospital or something like that, that they would find that, but no, it's a very specific test. Most hospitals are not even equipped to do the test. It's um, some kind of spec, a gas spectrometer. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a very specific test. Yeah. And okay. even some medical examiner's offices will have to go to universities to, to test for it. So it's definitely something that can go under the radar. Right. Um, yep. Yep. so no, they did not test for that. And, um, even when Brandon died, they did a toxicology and the toxicology, you would think, you know, they were telling us the toxicology, um, checks for thousands. So we're thinking if anything was there, they would find it, but it's, it, that is not the case. They have to specifically check and there was uh, that mark jensen case um that they were saying like they can check the blood and it be negative but yet there still had been poisoning so there's a whole hmm. um testimony where they they talk about that um so we kind of learned a lot more in that case and just his symptoms you know just for someone he was healthy um, 
he had never had anything wrong with him. Brandon was also very conscious of his health. And this is something that I tried to tell the medical examiner that if Brandon had been sick, he would have went to the doctor if he was feeling not well. Um, and in fact, I th want to say it was like 27, 2016, 2017, and just something like a uh, was a, like an upper respiratory, a viral type thing, um, mm -hmm. something that most of us would just take some over-the-counter Mucinex. He went to the ER, you know, and um, this, and that was Brandon. And and I tried to say, look, you know, if Brandon had pneumonia, he would have went to the emergency room. He did not like being sick and he did not like being hurt. So um, it, it just none of this made sense. And so that was June. Now he's went to the urgent care. And then in August, I was getting text messages from his phone. And I say from his phone, because I still need to verify what was from him and what could have been sent from someone else texting from his phone. So this is something we kind of figure out later on. But in August for two days, like I'm getting messages that he's deathly ill, he's throwing up for two days. Um, and this is just like a month before he ends up dying. Um, and, you know, of course I ask him, I'm like, well, did you drink anything? He's like, no, like I have to commute, I have to work. Why did, would you even ask that? You know, but I, right. I don't even know for sure if those text messages were from him. And though so then comes September and I haven't heard from him, you know, it was, it was very odd. Um, I had went out of town, Brennan dog sat for me. So I went, I left on Friday and his birthday was Saturday. So I'd been trying to call him and I was having some issues with the thermostat and I try to call him and never get a hold of him. So I don't actually like speak to him on the phone. Um, it's only these texts. And, but still, like when I'm calling, I'm never getting a hold of him because I wanted to set up a time to take him out to lunch for his birthday. And I already had the place in mind. And um, he just never calls back. And I, you know, I, tell his sister I said you know this is kind of odd I'm not hearing back from Brandon I think I'll go over there tomorrow it was kind of late and I really was worried but then again it's like you try to talk yourself out of that you try to say like don't let your imagination run away with you or or something like that and there was something that always made me uneasy about his apartment um just had a bad feeling and you know it's really odd because when i go over there now i don't have that feeling you know now that after everything i don't know if that's just because the worst thing imaginable has happened so you're just not afraid of anything after that or or what but um so you're saying prior to him passing you would visit and you've had an uneasy feeling yeah i just there was something about it when I would go over there I would just feel so uneasy and his sister would go over and hang out with him sometimes and I would 
you know, just mom her to death. Like you make sure you lock the door. You make sure like if you, you, you don't <laughs> take out the trash over there. Cause he would ask her to come over and help him clean up and stuff like that. And I said, if you take out the trash, like he has to go out with you and, you know, just really <laughs> helicopter momming her for sure. And, um, but you know, now like actually I just went over there yesterday to get, um, compass directions because I've hired a, an expert bloodstain pattern analyst. Um, so she's working on that now. And I went over there to get some directions and I mean, like, I just, you know, I don't get any kind of feeling. I, I just don't know what it was, but it definitely felt odd before. Probably a mother's intuition, right? That something That's, wasn't right. And mm -hmm. it really felt like that. Mm. Yeah. And even the night before, you know, I just really felt like something was wrong, but I tried to talk myself out of that. But we get over there and we're knocking on the door. So it was very strange. Brandon had done a lot of traveling. So at this time now he's with this new company, um, Transbotics in Charlotte. Um, this is where he had been having to commute. So he had, you know, one and a half to two hours commute each way on top of the workday. And then they had traveled for a week to Hickory. And then he came back and then they sent him to Detroit and he came back from Detroit. And this is really strange. Like I, you know, I'm honest about it. I admit this Brandon was messy, <laughs> um, which comes into the story. He was messy. The, the hotel room was, it was messy. Like there was a pizza box and, um, it's like, I don't want this to take up too much time, but I kind of like to explain. So, oh, absolutely. Um, so he goes up there and Brennan's a big guy. You saw his pictures. He's a big guy. Um, they get a rental car, but he doesn't have access to the rental car. I think he only got the rental, like to use the car one time. And so he, Brennan cooked for himself a lot. So he ends up like, you know, getting stuff. He's like cooking in his room. So when, you know, we're talking about a mess, we're saying, okay, he had a one pot, he had a cutting board, you know, some vegetables where he was like making himself food. He was pretty, you know, he ate fast food, but he also was pretty health conscious, would cook for himself, that kind of thing. Um, and honestly, like I've seen teenage girls tear up hotel rooms way worse than what he had going on. But supposedly he is let go from his job because his hotel room was messy. And the weird thing is that someone was in the hotel room taking photos of his belongings. And this is against the law. You are not allowed to photograph in a hotel room in Michigan. And a lot of other states as well. Like you have. I would imagine it's could be because you te technically own that room while you're renting it, right? It's you, like an invasion of privacy. Right, mm -hmm. it, you have a right to privacy. Like so, not who was who was taking the pictures? The hotel. I was led to believe that it was hotel staff, and that the hotel staff sent these photos to the HR of the company, but. I don't know. Like I question everything 
anymore. Like, was that the hotel's right. like? Because it looks like hotel staff would know better. They took close-up photos of his prescription medication. Yeah. See, now that's that's a very big like no-no. Right. Is... And I, so I'm kind of like, so the hotels like they know better. They they have to know better. And I just find the whole thing very very odd. That's um, weird. So he comes back. So. <clears throat> He flies back in Thursday. I pick him up. He drives to Charlotte. He's let go. He comes home. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm sorry that you were let go. But if you don't mind, can you dog sit? And um, <laughs> I got a job and, for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and he, he loved animals and they loved him. Animals were just drawn to him. He's just, you know, such a, a great spirit. But, um, you know, when I was calling and everything, it he just never called back. And so it was just the oddest thing. And we finally go over to check on him and his sister wanted me to wait because she had been away and she wanted to see him. And we get over there and we're like knocking and banging on the windows. I'm like, what if he's got headphones in or something like that? And then we go around back and like, well, maybe he can hear us if we go back there you know expectable maybe he's in there asleep something and we're knocking on there's a back door we're knocking on the glass and the window was broken back there but and I thought it was odd but it was kind of like low on the priority like right now I'm just like okay why is he not answering his vehicles out there um and I'm starting to get that panic and I'm like okay we need to call 911 and you know and then this is give the 911 call um someone actually like got the 911 call and it's weird and i still couldn't even tell you like um i don't know if it was a man or a woman i didn't know what i said i just am just like i don't know why he's not answering and these texts that had come from his phone come to mind and there there the text said something like i can't do this anymore and then you know it's kind of that like that light bulb goes off like well, what if he's hurt himself like he's you know because he's lost his job so i i fell into that and now i think he didn't even send those texts and i had his phone um data extracted twice so the first time I take it to a private investigator, but they're not able to unlock it, but they are able to extract data. And when I finally, you know, get this information from this phone, it's like all of these places are contacting him for job interviews. And the recordings of like, hey, can you come for an interview? So I'm thinking, okay, that's absolutely not, doesn't have anything to do with, with the situation. Right. Um, right. He had prospects. Yes. He had a lot of prospects and, um, emergency responders come, they don't let us in the apartment. Um, they come out, they said that they did try to sit him up. Um, they said, is that toilet broke like that? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, like, I don't, they're not being specific or details. Right. They're saying, is it broke like that? And I'm like, no, you know, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know, they're not being specific because um, I had been to his apartment just in August to help him pack because he was planning to move closer to the job to cut down on that commute. Um, and then they come out and they're like, well, is his apartment always um, messy like this? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, he's kind of messy. But I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what they were talking about. This, this was beyond, this wasn't messy. This was just something completely beyond. Um, and they take him to the ER. They pulled me away. So, like, I really didn't even get to, like, talk to him. But I could see him. They had him in a sheet um, that really came up to his neck. And, um, you know, this is just mind boggling and like, you know, just cannot imagine what has happened. So then I'm starting to think, okay, did he slip? Did he have a fall? You know, I don't see his body. Um, we go to the ER and it seems like a long time before they ever take us back. Um, and we're sitting there in the waiting room and these two detectives come up and I thought, you know, what is this about? And they start asking questions and, you know, just, just basic questions, but it's just, everything is just so surreal and so bizarre. And then we finally go back and they're telling us that, um, I want to say maybe they use the term, he's very sick, but it, basically they were saying like, he's not going to make it. But we were like, you know, this is Brandon, like, you know, he's going to make it like it, he's strong. He he's going to come through, you know, but just but at the same time being very. Like, what is going on? And I and I was kind of in shock and I kept thinking, like, this is so weird seeing him intubated again because this is just like in February. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was really definitely in shock. And then they say they're going to life flight him um, to the high point, to that same first hospital that he had been in. And then for some reason, they didn't. And I, I have a feeling that it was because he was hit, because the, um, the detective did come out and they were looking for his driver's license. And um, I think when they were able to look him up by his birthday, they realized like he's no longer an organ donor. And I think that's why they didn't life flight him. And so they end up taking him to a different hospital. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, he was in, he had hypothermia along with all of these organs shutting down. Um, we finally see like he's in the gown and they, they take like um, the bear hugger, and they've, they've taken all that off and we see him without the blanket and he is bruised from just head to toe. His head is swollen out, his eyes, he has raccoon, um, raccoon eyes with bruises, cuts, like we can't even see all of the bruises because he's got the hospital gown and he has the cervical collar on. Um, and we're like, what? is with all of these bruises. And I asked one of the nurses and she said that that is usually like something that she would see in someone that's been hit by a car. And, um, you know, so I'm, thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually show the viewers, you know, mm -hmm. this 
pure discretion because this is not a real pretty photo, but just so you guys can see what he looked like when he made it to the hospital. Yeah. And this is a gentleman who they said died of pneumonia. And this is actually the photo of after they cleaned him up and after they've given him fluids. So if you see the photo when he was for, and they shaved him, um, we didn't ask them to do that. <laughs> so he would have been so mad about that. Um, but that is actually, that photo is easier to look at than how he looked when they actually had brought him in because he had blood everywhere. His hair was soaked with blood. His, you know, I, his, his beard had blood. There was blood all over his face. That photo shows how swollen his face was. But when he first went in, it, the, the side of his head was swollen out. And um, that even shows up on the CT scan. And so we're just completely did, baffled. What did they say caused all the bruising and the swelling and the bleeding? They never said. Did they, they bother trying to look into it at all? They do start... Um, they do start investigating his case as a homicide. And, you know, I, I'm just in shock. I'm, I cannot understand. I can't make any sense of this. I'm thinking hit by a car, but, you know, he's in his apartment. And one of the things that they said that really stuck out. So then I, th I thought, okay, that's weird. They were saying that he was heavily barricaded in his apartment. And I thought, well, why do they keep saying that? And I even asked them, and I said, what do you mean he was heavily barricaded? And they, they said, oh, that's just something that we say. That's just like a term we use. So they're like, they're gaslighting me is what they're doing. Um, but they go to the medical examiner and they basically try to say that he was on drugs and that he barricaded himself in his apartment and going back to when they said he had psychosis, you know, when he, he can't open the door because he's about to fall into a coma. Right. Perpetuate the psychosis. So then I find, you know, it's like a couple of months later, we get the autopsy and we're being told that he had pneumonia and the pneumonia caused him to lose oxygen to his brain. And so he beats himself all over his body causes all of these injuries and then he's laying there and he's unable to move or to get help or to call anyone or anything. And I mean, really, if you see the bloodstain pattern of his head, it looked like he was paralyzed because the bloodstain pattern, there's no movement. It's a perfect outline. Like he laid there for a very long time. And I'm sorry, but pneumonia does not keep you from I was gonna, being able to crawl and try to get help. I was going to sarcastically say it sounds like a typical uh, pneumonia case here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I, I mean, I'm like, this sounds crazy to me. So I start Googling if anyone has ever beat themselves up like this. And I know there are like instances of drugs and self-harm or whatever, but you know, you got to remember like they did a drug test and there yeah. were no drugs. And They've done it with, with of like extreme hypothermia. People can go crazy, but it's, right. 
but you're talking like like middle of winter out in the snow sort of hypothermia not mm -hmm. beginning of september in an apartment mm -hmm. in north carolina right so why did he have hypothermia like it just like these are very extreme circumstances but given the conditions they really just don't make they don't make sense and i cannot find it like there's an urban legend there's like one one case and it, it's, it can't even be validated right um but you know this is beyond this is like bruising on his back on his glute on you know on the back of his neck um going around his body he had symmetrical bruising going around his body under his arms he had wounds on his hands and palms bruised hands I mean, just bruised everywhere. It would be easier to find places. Um, I mean, I just, the amount of bruising, like three-fourths of his body. Um, and there were even more, once we get the autopsy photos, I see even more. And it just, it makes no sense. But then a couple of days after we're well i guess it's while we were clearing out brandon's apartment we get a message from a female and she tells us that she had been brandon's girlfriend and that she and she gives all these details um as if she is trying to make sure that we know she's telling the truth that she knew brandon like where he worked and just details about him and uh it's just the wording is kind of strange and you you'd never heard of her before right no I had and when, when did, when did they supposedly start dating um that is hard to say because the story kept changing so i think she initially said that she had been his girlfriend since may of that year Later, I hear that they um, spent Valentine's Day together. And then in one time, she told me that she knew him all the way back when he was in Seattle. So I hear all these different stories. And by the way, she was originally from Maine. And I think that's the connection for your channel is your Maine based. And um, this is kind of, I think, how her story gets out there but at the time she had been living in south carolina so this is another odd thing that looking at the dating apps brandon had like a 50 mile radius and you know she's 200 miles away hmm. so we thought that yeah. was kind of strange um so I immediately reach out to her. So she had reached out on Facebook to my daughter-in-law. So I reached back out to her. And then I also call the police and I'm like, hey, you know, because we didn't know if I'm really having friends or knowing anyone. And I'm thinking this person may know who he was talking to, what he was doing, where he right. went on his birthday. Like they could have information. You need to talk to her. And um Later, I find out through um, reading third party 
text messages, but I act, did actually visually see and read these messages so I can verify that they're real, but um, that she said that she was flying back to Maine. And this was like right after Brandon died. Um, there's just, it's a black hole. When I start talking about this female, it just never ends with the wild stories, the things that are said. And, you know, and then there were things that were said that I thought this can't be true. And then I later find out that there is like this, a shred of truth to them. Um, she had so, told, go ahead. I should say that you have started a Facebook page called Brandon's Voice the murder and yes. cover-up um i'm just share it real quick because i just want people to see the the detail you you put into this case and you have actually text messages from her um, can you guys see the screen now yep so if, if everyone watching could go ahead and follow this page it's voice the murder and cover-up of brandon embry you and can I'll, see uh, I'll, I'll share it in the chat too so people can click on the link thank you so you've, you've collected all these images of the different text messages and with explanations next to it. Like, it's pretty incredible what you've done. Is this all you? Do you have like a small team that helps you? People, people do help here and there, um, or they'll contact me and kind of give me a tip or, you know, something to look at. But um, I will have to say the, the female, the one from South Carolina who's originally from Maine. Um, you know, there was a lot that she divulged. She told me a lot in those messages and some of it, I thought, okay, there's a shred of truth here. And some is does just seems um, not true. And it has been a long process of going through, um, it's like little bre breadcrumbs that were left, like little clues to tell me what happened, but not the whole story. Um, but just within talking to her within a day or two, I thought something is off. Something is off with this person. Something is not right about this whole situation. And I even start recording, which is legal, um, you know, the, I think they call it the one party. Consent. Yeah, single party consent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Maine, Maine has that too. Yeah. yeah so I start recording because I, you know, this, this is just unbelievable. And I honestly couldn't understand why the police hadn't scooped her up and took her in and got a statement or questions or anything at this point. I just, I find the whole thing was so bizarre. Um, but we finally, you know, we had got that call from the medical examiner and she's saying, well, he died of pneumonia and he put these injuries on himself. And it, it's just like, there's injuries like um, on the backs of his knees, like it almost looks like a ligature line or something. And that's going like 180 degrees and bruising. And I'm like, mm, you can't do that to yourself. Like this, this is just not even possible. And, um, I talked to the detective and he said, well, don't worry because her case as a medical examiner is separate from our case as law enforcement. 
and he was still invest. He said, as long as I'm on the case, I will be investigating this. Well, he but, no sooner said that than a month later, he's taken off the case. And then a female, course. yeah, he's promoted and put in traffic and then female detective is put in the case and we're not hearing anything. They did a search warrant on her phone. He had said that he would call me and tell me what he found with the search warrant. But even though he's telling me this, I'm telling him she had told me that she got a new phone. And every time I talk to her, she's saying she's answering her other phones, her work phone. And she called it her work phone, but we can't find where she actually had a, not a real job, not, you know, she had worked some like at an IHOP, um, at a hotel, the La Quinta, um, but for a short time, it wasn't any sort of, um, stable job. She told me that she had a master's degree in nursing. Um, but then she tells me that she's an LPN, not an RN. Um, she told me she had been in prison. She told me that she was like a third or fifth degree in martial arts. I did find out that she actually did have a black belt. I saw the photo of that, um, but not, not in all the different disciplines that she said and not to the degree that she said. Um, right. You're quite, quite a fabricator then. Yes. Um, Terry, Terry's asking, so the girlfriend was never questioned. The, did they actually question her or did they just check her phone? So they finally do ask her, well, they ask her to come in and she has a meltdown, um, which I recorded. And she then at the end of the call, she tells me that she's going to call and tell them that she um, is, she either said that she was going to say that she had a doctor's appointment or food poisoning. And I believe she called the police and said that she had food poisoning, which is very interesting considering what kept happening to Brandon. Um, so that was November, right before the autopsy came out. And they finally get her to go in December, I wanna say December 4th, um, she went in for an interview and this was with the male detective and then the female detective who ends up taking over the case. Um, but here's the weird thing that I find on his phone. And, you know, I, it's not, it's not like, you know, you're not reading um, a word file. You know, you're looking at this like computer file. But the next day, Brandon's phone, which is in police custody, ends up being charged charged up because it was only at like 2%. And then there are files deleted off of his phone. And I'm like, I don't think I should be seeing delete anywhere <laughs> in these files. Yeah. If it's in police custody, no way. Mm -hmm. oh. <clears throat> what the? Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so this was December I want to say December 5th for a few days. And it's interesting that the, the timing is also like after hours, like most of the detectives seem like they leave about five o'clock. And, um, this is 
after hours that his phone is being i i mean charged and and things deleted. <laughs> charged and things are being deleted so how, how are you seeing that they were deleted was it like a, like an iCloud sort of deal or so everything is documented in these phones it is unbelievable when i get this and this is the extraction when his phone is still locked i have an extraction i had to go back then i sent his phone out of country because i do not trust these people i sent it out of country and had it unlocked with what they call um, brute force um, and then had another extraction that i haven't even started looking at those details yet but this first one it's it's just a lot of computer language and files but you see stuff in there about like organ donors blood types deleting health file kits I'm like what are they doing why is you know and why specifically about his health and why would stuff like this be on his phone it's very strange um then she takes over we call and she tells us uh the, the female detective who has now retired this year um or i'm sorry we're in the new year <laughs> she just retired um recently but she tells us that she has all these other cases for these children so it's like brandon's case is kind of on the bottom of the pile um then she she calls me in i go in a few times and i can just tell like i'm just being gaslit um she does some checking you know on a few little things but they really don't check into these females and they close his case and then i say well i want i want everything back because you know this there's something wrong and i might need to have this stuff forensically tested Right, have it checked on your own at least. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking DNA and stuff like that, that they will keep that, you know, they've got it, you know, because I watch those forensic files and, you know, sometimes they're pulling stuff from decades before and testing. So I, right. in, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, they probably will keep some. Well, months go by. Well, I get some things back. I get his phone, a pair of handcuffs. Um you know, just a few odds and ends, but I asked for everything. And then we go to a meeting at the police department a few months later and we find out they destroyed the evidence. They destroyed all of it. The DNA and different items that they took into evidence. And I started looking into this and, you know, it pretty much says in a death investigation, this stuff has to be retained for 20 years. And it requires a judge's signature for them to destroy it. Did they get a judge's signature? No. No. Does the girl so, have a connection to the police department at all? I don't know. That is, that's a level of negligence and I don't even think like, or corruption. It's one of the, it's gross, disgusting negligence or corruption. Like there's no in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, his phone is being tampered with, the evidence is being destroyed. And even someone from the medical examiner's office said this, like even if his, aside from the death investigation, he was clearly assaulted 
where's the investigation into right into that have, so have you guys considered uh legal action against the police department i'm assuming you probably have yes and I, 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 I hope I that you guys follow through with that it's it's been four years but you know I'm, i have limited resources i do what i can you know the 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 initial extraction that they did on his phone that you know that can cost anywhere from six to eight hundred dollars i think i was like probably like between seven and eight on that but when i had to send his phone out of the country because what happens is they have to tie up their computers like they can't do anything else the computers are going all the time trying to unlock the phone um, and I don't even know, maybe I'm not even supposed to be talking about this stuff, but anyway, that was like $6,000. Um, and then now I'm doing the, um, uh, blood stain pattern, um, analysis. I'm getting an expert to do that. And all I, I keep meaning to do the autopsy review and now it's been four years and I still haven't done it, but it's because I keep finding more medical records just like i yeah. said you know i just had his phone unlocked and then i find out when he went to texas he had this pulmonary function test so and a drug test so these things will also go as documentation like you know they're saying he's well and then all of a sudden he's ending up in the hospital so and i should say you do have a gofundme for uh justice for brandon mm -hmm. embry right i do yeah and that would help yeah, i just just put that in the chat too so you guys can click directly onto that yeah anyone has the means or, or willing to to donate yeah everything is appreciated i i i'm just like i'm i don't really like doing that i don't like asking but it's like i work so hard on his case that it, it's <laughs> and it's it's appalling how it seems like it's been handled and treated so far Mm -hmm. I would be losing my mind if I were you. And I'm, I'm mad about it, the principle of it. You know, we as taxpayers, I've already paid for, you know, programs that have been established to unlock phones. That's part of, you know, the state. We pay for that. We, we've already paid for everything that exists. And now we're having to go back and do all of this ourselves because they Gross. really don't want Brandon's case investigated i mean there is actually when i went into a meeting and i met with a major hansen of asheville police department he literally says the chief doesn't want this case investigated now, is that the is that the investigating department yes asheville police department okay they said the chief does not want this investigated yes He's recorded. He he recorded the meeting, and I recorded the meeting. And he actually says that the chief doesn't want this investigated all over again, or something like that. What if it's their oh, child? Oh my word! Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I want to ask you about the shoes here that I'm sharing. Yes. What can you tell yes. me about these shoes? So. This photo was taken the last time that we met with the female um, and we went to Chili's. It was COVID had came into effect at that time. And when you see the photo where we were at Chili's, you can kind of see that that staining and everything is on there. And um, so when she left South Carolina and went back up to Maine, she had left 
everything just pretty much abandoned property and I asked to have those and we have put those up. Um, but you know, and another thing was that she kept asking about uh, those to me, those need to be tested. Those I don't know. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, even if it's not admissible, I hope that we can get to a point where we can have those tested. It, it's almost like you guys are like, like this isn't happening in the real world. Like this sort of stuff, like th yes. this absolutely should be tested. I don't know in what universe they're not looking into this sort of thing. Now, is, is there. Oh, we lost to Jeff. Yeah. Am I back? You're back. You're back now. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, now, does the girlfriend, does, does she have a history of, of, uh, being shady with previous boyfriends or so I do actually get to talk to her like she had told us she was divorced and then we found out she had she had still been married and I'm talking about the kind of married of like well, what do you want for dinner tonight <laughs> you know right and um so I find you know information like the whole time they've been married that she will take off and go to Colorado and be out there for months. Um, there's a police wow. report of where she went to Ohio and she was at this man's house. Um, we end up finding um, a burner phone and I was able to view that and actually did take uh, photos to document everything that I was seeing. But She's telling me that Brandon was the love of her life, her soulmate. And two weeks after, you know, while she's, this is two weeks after he died. And she's telling me they were soulmates, but she is also married. Um, but she is soliciting other men on these dating websites. So do you think it's something where her husband's involved with having her solicit these guys and then he comes and. You know, at first I was afraid. I was afraid to talk to him. I, you know, I didn't know who, what, um, but within minutes of talking to him, I, he, I was like, no, he's not involved. He was really. What, what, what does he think about all that? Are they still together now? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't, I, I have not talked to him. Um, in a while i don't know i this is my opinion i think maybe um there was a pending divorce and it was what i would what i would guess was said is like if you continue to talk or say these things about me then somehow i'll sue you or i'll involve this in the divorce and you know that kind of thing so okay um, but when her husband had seen the photos. I think it definitely upset him. Um, I think the light bulb was going off about a lot of the odd behaviors, the disappearing. Um, at one time, he did say that there was um, that he had been locked out of his own computer, um, not able to get on it. But when he would like walk by, he would see like certain things that were very questionable on the computer. 
But I mean, just, this is, you know, I know we've been on here a while, but I'm telling you, I could talk to you for hours, but there is absolutely one rabbit hole after another of what is this all about? This is so, there's enough to say, wow, there's something really wrong here, but not enough to, to know exactly what it was. And and again, if you guys want to to see any of this sort of stuff, um, you know that she she's done a very good job of, of documenting a lot of stuff, and I'll post it again here in the chat. You guys can go to the website itself. Um, now I I I'm not sure where I saw this, but I had heard that potentially she had previous uh, encounters with the men where they also claimed that they were getting sick of some of the similar uh, yes. symptoms, correct? Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes, I talked to her husband in depth. There were several instances. Um, he had situations where he was at work and he said he would just like fall unconscious. These are the same symptoms that my son had. Um, this is her husband? Yes, he, he and, even shared a medical note with me. And really, you could you could exchange the names, and it was the same. You know, what the, the symptoms, the things that they were in there for were the same. So some of the, the symptoms of um, ethylene glycol, which is one of the ingredients in uh, antifreeze, um, uh, it can damage the brain, lungs, liver, and kidneys. The poisoning causes disturbances in the body's chemistry, including metabolic acidosis, increases acid in the bloodstream and tissue. The disturbances may be severe enough to cause profound shock, organ failure, and death. And there's three stages. And I want to say the first stage um, that... This light's <laughs> flickering. Um... <laughs> with the first stage um they will appear they will have like they will show up with alcohol in their system and um you know maybe even seem like they are intoxicated and that's stage one and i want to say it was the april um brandon's results had come back where there was some alcohol but you gotta like think of his size and think at the from the night before to the time that he went, like he would have had to had a lot of alcohol for that to be in his system. So I could even tell from reading it, it's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You're not going to have, you're not going to be that size, be that big of a guy, that much muscle mass, have a couple of drinks, and then, you know, eight, 10 hours later, have that in your system it didn't make any sense at all no <clears throat> he had yeah um, I, you guys you are being uh well like you said earlier gaslit and yeah. treated like i don't i don't even, i don't really have words rarely. for it yeah it's it's disgusting No, that was not my furnace that you could hear. It has been a very long four years. And I tell people this all the time, believe it or not, every day, some other little piece of the puzzle comes out. But, the, you know, but it's also like, I describe it like, it's like I get a piece of the puzzle, but then the puzzle gets bigger. And it's like, really, what is this all about? 
So, uh, who is who is in charge of the investigation now at the uh, at the Asheboro Police Department? So the case is closed. It's not. Um, oh, you said that. My mistake. Case, but it is closed. Um, you know, and I think they try to. I don't know what you say. Like, um, I don't know. I I give them hell all the time. I email like I let them have it. it. Like, you know, I have a lot of questions, and at some point, I'm sure legal action will finally happen. Um, but what, what, what's what's gross is the fact that they don't seem to have questions. Yeah. They just like, oh, well, this this gentleman uh, just sort of died, and and it's easier for us to just exactly. say it was pneumonia with you know bruises and lacerations and marks all over his entire body, mm-hmm. um, and a pair of shoes if- that look like they they have blood stains on them from someone that should have been questioned and interrogated thoroughly. Yes, and it's very. What if we all call him? Call them? I mean. Yeah, I, I thought about that before yeah. we started. This was like, calling post their the police department. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's like I was going to. I'm not even kidding. I was thinking about it, but I have a feeling that probably no one is is there right now. At least no one to actually yeah, talk to. Right there now. Yeah, dispatch would be there, and that's about it. Yeah, we'd be pestering them instead. Yeah, I try. You know, they did give me their reports and. Um, you know, I've asked them, I asked them about, do they have a bloodstain pattern analysis report? Because there was blood all throughout, all over the bathroom, on the walls. The drain was out of the the shower. The water was running when they went in. Like, I don't even know, you know, did we just miss someone? There's a front door and a back door. You know, maybe someone was in there when we came knocking. They could have went out the other door. We, we have no idea. But well, to go back to the them saying he was barricaded, and did you notice anything in front of the doors or anything like that? No, that that's. I was like, why do they keep saying he's barricaded? So do they just mean the door was locked. Is that their definition yeah, the door, of barricaded? No, I I think that they were trying to create a false narrative. To be honest, absolutely. Um, you know, there's we all know what a barricade is and mm-hmm. in the crime scene photos they open the door there's you know there's clutter but there's a clear path into the apartment at the back door and i know they told this to the medical examiner because we discussed it and she said well there were boxes by the back door but if you look at the photos yes he was planning to move the boxes were small boxes one I think might have been empty. The other one had some like Lipton noodles. Like you know, that's not going to barricade anything. And it's, it's, it's not a barricade. Yeah. It's it's packing. It's in the process of moving. And there's two feet where you can still access the door. You could still get to the door. So um, uh, Holly Nichols McCormick says, "What about the governor? Have you reached out to the governor and asked them to look into this?" I I want to say we have. I want to say even someone else did. Um, but you know, I, I know other people that are going through this too, and they are not much help. It doesn't matter if you're reaching out to, you know, the AG, the DOJ, the governor, I think until there is legal proceedings starting that we're going to be ignored. So, um, 
you need to sue them. Yeah. Um, I'll show this one again. Terry Stable says, such a very strong woman that you are. Uh, I think... To continue to, to battle for your son. Thank you. Thank you. I think... I think um, most of us moms are like this though we just no stone unturned but um going back to the barricade the hallway was clear and they did have to take the door off to get to brandon because his body was laying where like where the door would swing open in that threshold area that's where his body was laying but i'm like you don't fall down in a coma and be paralyzed <laughs> to barricade yourself like that does not <laughs> that's not yeah. what that is and, and there was a ton of stuff like his place had been completely trashed all the boxes that i had packed that's gonna ask. it looked like it had been ransacked right yes it did and the toilet was also broken i had read oh the whole bathroom the toilet was ripped up like those tiles i say this all the time like it takes like nuclear energy to get those those things are down there good but that thought the tile is coming up the toilet is coming up off the ground the the heavy toilet tank lid is broken half one half is in the bathroom and the other half is in the bedroom well why is what? the other half in the bedroom and how did it get broken Doesn't... that is such a heavy piece it would have to well, do damage they they are they are extremely rugged as well those but yes. the lids are, are very tough. Thick porcelain. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I saw on the autopsy diagram that I showed earlier. Now I can't find it, of course, but it looked like they had marked some damage on the back of his skull, right? Um, she I think I may have to grab a charger here in just a second, but um Okay. So um. they really didn't check his head. They had done a CT scan. And my husband's opinion was that there was a lot of copy and paste instead of actual physical autopsy and checking. And see, when he was in the hospital, he had that cervical collar, so no one was really checking for injuries. They weren't looking on the back. But in an autopsy photo, you know, you see the blood stain pattern. It looks like there's this blood coming out of the back of his head. And then in the autopsy photo, it looks like, like there's a big gash in his neck. And like, no one checked, no one. And, you know, I say this all the time, like, you know, unfortunately he was cremated and people have said, well, why did you cremate? It's like, well, because we trusted them to do right. their job. Like, you know, we yeah. were in shock, you know, like we didn't and you're, know. You're, you're not at fault for that either. That's like, you, you know, no one anticipates that they're going to be railroaded by the police department or the, I don't maybe the hospital. <laughs> Could have done more I, I i can't say anything about that but i'm gonna um i'm gonna show just the blood splatter and, and uh it's what you're talking about with the blood coming from the back of the head on the floor like this is what you're talking yes. about here right yes and you see where the edge is where the clear edge is that means that it kept going because then it went on to i believe it went on to the sheet um because there was a sheet and this, this female tells me, see, we don't see this. They didn't allow us to go in. Then the police process the crime scene. They move everything. So we don't see where stuff is until like a, almost a year later when we get the crime scene photos. 
but I have her recorded talking about him being nude, wrapped up in a sheet by the closet. And this is exactly how it was. And I'm like, this is called guilty knowledge. She absolutely stuff. How would she know she, that? Yes. Either she had to see a video of what happened or she was there. Those are the only two ways. Wow. Yeah. And it looks like it's like at the base of his skull. Mm -hmm. if yeah. He was exactly found on his, his left, on his left side. And that the, what looks like blood spray coming out of the back <clears throat> that was there first. And then the blood drip, the drops are on top of that. Yeah, we've got a we got a comment from Wendy here. Say there was a cover up for some reason. Things that uh, <clears throat> things that was done, like destroying evidence, there was no reason for that at all. And someone black and blue from head to toe going to say no foul play. Apartment totally destroyed, and they said he <clears throat> he was messed up uh, and done that and beat himself. And this is uh, in this case takes so many twists and turns. I would ask everyone to go check out the Facebook cheese page and see it all yes absolutely and i would just for a little bit of devil's advocate if with that uh with the poisoning for um the antifreeze right if it does cause some brain damage there might there might have been something that was slightly self-inflicted right might have like he'd done before fall and hit his head or something like that but this you know, possibly the looks of that is is way beyond that Mm -hmm. like possibly um the boxes being dumped out like you know something like like that okay i could see that but then the issue is i have this female talking about how they all had pieces of his clothing and i'm like why like you're you're five feet tall he's six feet tall why do you have his shorts right why That's does weird. you know the other female have his shirt and then they talk about a third person who has clothing? Why? You know, it just, so I'm thinking to me, you've got blood, you've got water. She alludes to it being someone else, but says something about him being moved. And I'm like, okay, so if they got wet and bloody, maybe they needed to take some of his clothing to change. Right. Right. Possibly. Absolutely. I mean, that's a theory. That's just a theory, but... Oh, yeah, so they could destroy it destroy it later, so but, they wouldn't be walking around. Know, I, well, no, because she, she kept her shoes, so why would she have to change her clothes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hope those this shoes were tested. Even, you know, like I said, doesn't, you know, I understand, like, chain of custody was broken, but just to, to know, like, that <clears> would be a huge, huge piece if that can be tested... One, is it blood? And two, is it Brandon's blood? Absolutely. Yeah. What What would they have to say for themselves if it was Brandon's blood? Mm -hmm. They would, or, yeah. You know, and honestly, with everything that I found out, or even another person's blood, like I just, I am really, truly baffled. I wonder if there are other victims. I wonder what all of this Absolutely. is Absolutely. Well, that's the thing that I was thinking about, too, is like, what would be the motivation for this, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, was, was it uh, financial? Was it revenge? Was it just because there are evil people in the world, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so we definitely thought of the more simple things like a jealousy, a love triangle. Like, those are the things we thought of in the first place and none of that has checked out yeah this is what i was talking about where you had pointed out like looks like damage to the back of the skull right mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, radiology is such a specified field. I am really taking shots in the dark, but you know, if anyone, if anyone knows anyone that can look at this stuff and it's really hard because it's in a special program for like medical offices. So I can't just share the images like they have to have the same software. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've received those as well. Uh, that uh, gotten an x-ray, but they'll actually send it to me. Uh, I've gotten it on a disc and it sort of installs mm -hmm. its own program on your computer yes. to view the images. It's yeah, it's yeah, that's that's thing. But I, you know, I haven't had any luck finding radiology review. I found someone and they said, we'll send the images. And I thought, well, you know, I can't just send them because they're in this program. So, but hopefully we'll get to that point that, you know, that will be looked at just, just to be sure. Um, the radiologist that, you know, did the CT scans, you know, I'm hoping that I'm quoting this right. I looked it up and I think that person is actually a breast specialist, not a head specialist. And the amount of time from when the CT scan was finished to when they were already transcribing is just minutes. So, you know, maybe something could be looked at a little bit closer by someone who specializes. Well, well right. Because, like, uh, who knows what they were there could be some bias involved, right? Like maybe they're looking for a cause of this when it could have been, you know, maybe they weren't looking at it necessarily in the, the sense of like a homicide case, right? Maybe. Yeah. My phone is, um, very oh, are we, we getting ready? <laughs> I, I think, I think wanna... we're probably just, okay. I think we're probably just yeah. about, uh, ready to wrap it up anyways. Um, okay. but, uh, if I disappear, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we Sarah, will the ne now, now we will yeah, we'll, we'll just say thank you very much um, for for coming on and and I don't I I can't put into words how disgusted I am that how you're being treated for all of this through all of this like you you don't deserve any of this. Thank you. Nope. That means a lot to hear that. I you know it's um it's day and night. You know I do this sometimes. <laughs> sometimes from the morning I wake up to late at night, but I keep finding things out. So I just, I can't just abandon, abandon this right now. Oh, um, so uh, again, everyone, the, uh, the Facebook page, um, you know, Brandon's voice, the murder and cover up of Brandon Embry, go there, check that out. She has a lot of good information. And then the, um, and tons of information you've collected. Yes. Uh, and again, I will share that, uh, and also the the GoFundMe to try and help um, with whatever resources may be necessary to try and get this looked at. And I don't I don't know if this is a if the state should be investigating this police department or the FBI, but someone someone needs to step up and and have this looked at for you guys. Yes, if there are any um, data analysts or um, especially any that um, know Celebrite and can read these files. You know, we, I, we might we actually might know someone that can help you i would really appreciate that i mean you know and i i haven't started on the other extraction yet because that is i mean when i say time consuming you just the one with his phone where his phone was locked has like half a million to three quarters of a million 
data files. You would not believe how much stuff is like it's coming crazy. from these phones. Yes. All right. Well, again, Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. No, no, absolutely. I, w I wish, wish you had to charge on your phone and stay a little bit longer. But um, thank everyone for for tuning in, and listening. Definitely go check out those those sites. Um, definitely needs needs support. Deserves it. So yeah, thank absolutely. You. Justice for Brandon and justice for you as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Thank you all for joining us.